We're live in five, four, three, two. Woo! Avengers Endgame just wrapped. Here we are. Finally doing it. I'm glad to be here. What the fuck is up? What's going on, guys? Welcome into a brand new episode of the G Meeker MMA Show, episode 185, folks. We're live. It is Sunday, May 5th, 2019, beginning of the month of May. It's a brand new month yet again. Find myself saying that every single fuck time. But anyways, like I said, what's up, guys? It's good to have you guys all here with us. We're finally doing it. I originally did it before, but complications with the audio and, you know, it wasn't one of the best batches and one of the best uh, sessions that I had when it come to uh, came to recapping the new Avengers movie, so I was originally going to come back and talk about, like, you know, the upcoming fights, we got fights coming up, we got exciting things to talk about, we got to recap this entire Avengers Endgame movie, all the plots, everything, my reactions, how I felt, you know, and the overall reviews, my own personal reviews of it, you know, my outlook of it, did it, did it, uh, deliver my thoughts on the ending, spoiler alert, we'll be talking about a lot of spoilers here on this podcast, so I enjoy I enjoyed it. It was great. Um, like I said, like we're going to be having spoilers on this podcast. Once again, we're going to talk about Avengers. Break this down for you guys. Um, Avengers Endgame recap spoilers on along with UFC 237 this week. This next weekend, headlined by none other than Thug Rose Namunas. She puts her title on the line against Jessica Andrade. Co-main event, Anderson Silva versus Jared Cannonier. We'll talk about and preview both those matches. And as I did say, I was going to be on the Anik and Florian podcast tomorrow, uh, making picks for UFC 237. So I will sharpen up my mind on this podcast. And we're going to have a great time, folks. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. we got a lot to talk about. There's a lot to say. Um, and we're going to have a good-ass time. So, that being said, the longest wait time of my entire life is up over maybe like a week or so ago, almost a couple weeks now coming out, but Avengers Endgame finally hit, it hit theaters, I had the pleasure of going and seeing it the second day it came out, not the first, I wanted to avoid the craziness of the fans, the craziness of Everyone who was just as excited as I was to go and see it. It was great. It delivered. There was so much stuff going on. And for me, the impact of it and everything that happened in it. Wow. It's just like, wow, I'm wowed. There's so much shit that happened in there that, you know, we're going to be talking about today. And that's the exciting part is that we get to sit and talk about it. Um, tomorrow's the official day that the Russo brothers did say that, uh, you know, the spoiler ban is lifted. You know, you can talk about the movie, but I've been blasting spoilers the past couple of days on my social media. I wanted to wait a couple of days. So, like I said, I went and seen it a couple of weeks ago. Um, originally seen it, I bought tickets for Saturday, so originally the third day after, but I was off on Friday, so I went and seen it on Friday as well as Saturday. So, I seen it once in 3D the first time. Second time, I just seen it in IMAX, I think. So, you know, I put, pr- paid a pretty penny for both 3D and IMAX, but it was worth every other uh, every amount, every dollar, every cent, because I was waiting for it for so long. I mean, it was, it delivered 100%, um, from the starting to the end. I mean, 
and you catch yourself laughing, a next scene comes, you found yourself emotionally, what the hell's going on? You, you find yourself in an emotional state and, you know, essentially being a tearjerker. So Avengers Endgame was entertainment, it was action, it was deep storytelling, it was a tearjerker, it was emotional, it was, it was, le- was legacy-defining all in one. And when you think one thing happens, something else happens. When you The most unexpected thing happens. I mean, the fact that you were able to carry on with the movie knowing that this one thing happened. And we're going to talk about this right now. We're going to begin into it. We're going to jump right into it. I'm not going to waste any time. I'm going to completely go fanboying on this on this, this whole entire journey that it's been since 2008, since the very first Iron Man, till 2019, to Avengers Endgame, to all the amazing things that happened in Avengers Endgame. But before we begin, folks... The G Meeker MMA show is available on Spotify. We're available on iHeartRadio, Podbean, Podbay.fm, any other major platform that you can think of and any other place that you get your podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast, you can get my podcast. One more time, anchor.fm slash G Meeker MMA show, you fucks. Let's begin, man. So, I mean, it was, I mean, I avoided spoilers. I mean, I seen the stupid ones on the internet, like, before the movie, maybe, like, a week or so before the movie, and, you know, a lot of the theories that come out, all the YouTube channels, all the fan-made accounts, all the Reddit users, everyone's going to be talking about potential spoilers, plots, uh, people that potentially had died in the movie or were going to die, and the plot points and the whole storyline arc of the entire movie. So, you know, as fans, you know, when... Infinity War came out last year. We saw the ending, the tragic ending. Thanos was successful. He gathered all the Infinity Stones. Um, he snapped his fingers. 50% of all life in the universe was taken out. And, you know, the Avengers is compromised. The Avengers, the people of Earth, were all compromised. You know, you've seen it in this movie. Fast forward to Endgame. You know, the support groups that Steve Rogers had. You know, people talking about, you know, this Joe Russo. Um, well, he had made a cam, you know, talking about, you know, his first date in five years, five years, you know, the five years later gap. That explains everything when it comes to the time jump, you know, they're the, the jumping back in time, time going by, everyone looking a little older was a result of time going by because this movie went from, you know, catastrophic events, you know, 23 days after Thanos did what he needed to do. Captain Marvel was there. Tony was there. Um, well, not Tony. I don't think Tony was there just yet. And it was before that. And then it went. I mean, they went and attacked Thanos. They killed Thanos. Uh, they cut his head off. I mean, they cut his arm off, which was one of the most brutal things. One of the most unexpected scenes of the movie. Let's just get right into it right there. I mean, they said they were going to go kill Thanos. I was like, oh, fuck. They're gonna, they're so confident. I mean, Captain Marvel was about to leave and go kill Thanos on her own. And then they all went together and found him on a farm, peacefully just sitting there. Face was all messed up. He was limping. I noticed the first shot of Thanos when we seen him in the um, walking up the stairs. He was limping, and I don't know if you noticed in the last Avengers: Infinity War, he was limping too. Before he sat down, he had that kind of horrid, evil smile on his face, and then the movie was over, and then the, the the credits came up. But if you go fast forward one year to Avengers: Endgame, I had originally thought the same thing about it. He was injured from the snap and all that, but no, it, it turns out that Thanos basically said the job was done just as he told the avengers the job was done everything he needed to do he did he wanted to snap 50 percent of all life and as he said in his own words you know the universe i'm fucking tongue twisted because i'm so excited to be talking about it but he said the universe needed correction and he did what he needed to do and you know he had the stones serve no further purpose just as he said and 
he destroyed the stones. He said he used the stones to destroy the stones, which is pretty interesting. That's kind of a question to ask the higher ups, the people that know a little bit more about these, the theories and all that shit. I can't come up with all that. I don't have time to look up all the theories, but I want to know exactly how he potentially destroyed the stones. And, you know, he fucked his arm up doing in the process as well as him. I mean, they came in, invaded his privacy, cut his hand off, cut his head off after he tried to kind of be a little mournful to uh nebula i mean nebula said that he wasn't lying basically to the avengers because avengers said and didn't believe that he destroyed the stones and they thought he was trying to trick them i mean he's a mad titan thanos the mad titan thanos that's been rumored in the mcu i mean it's been shown in the mcu probably since the guardians of the galaxy and since the first avengers i mean the first avengers that came out in 2011 we showed him at the end, you know, Age of Ultron, um, Guardians of the Galaxy, and and so on. I mean, and you know, Thanos has been that guy. He he has been the rumored guy at the very end. You know, it, it's essentially like the perfect send off. I mean, the fact that they killed him twice. Not only did they kill him, kill him, but it was just so underwhelming. It was underwhelming and unexpected because if you go back and you think about how we felt in Infinity War, we felt, oh, what the fuck. How the hell are they going to stop him? How are they going to bring everyone back? What's going to happen? How are they going to do this? How are they going to stop Thanos? That was the most important thing. How are they going to stop the mad titan that was Thanos? Ruthless Thanos traveling, killing millions of people, and, you know, just is doing it with ease. Coming and assaulting the planets, killing people recklessly, not caring, no soul, no ruthless, ruthless assassin. And Thanos... I mean, you look at the crazy hype that he had, how strong, how successful he was against the Avengers the first time. And, you know, they just show up to his farm and handle him with ease, which was very unexpected for me. That was one of the craziest moments in, in my history of watching Marvel movies. I mean, I didn't expect for them to take him out the way that they took him out. I mean, second time he put up more of a fight, but there was really nothing they could really do after that. I mean... That intense moment towards the end when they're all running across the field trying to get the Infinity Gauntlet um, to the van, I think, if, if I'm not mistaken. And then Thanos is rushing in, you know, Black Panther's running, Hawkeye has it. Um, you know, Tony gets into another scuffle with Thanos, essentially almost losing. Thanos grabs the Infinity Gauntlet, you know, pulls it down. You see it start to spark and, you know, essentially do the same thing that he did when he had it in Infinity War. You know, it's getting all the powers being absorbed with Thanos and everything that happened. He got that. Um, you know, one more shot at trying to snap again. Captain Marvel grabs it. And then Tony, you know, the whole thing with Tony, she stops him from snapping it. And then Tony, and then Tony grabs it. And then the, st the stones go from the gauntlet to into absorbed into tony's nanotech armor you remember the scene it was hard to describe it but the way that she had it she stopped him from snapping the fingers and then thanos gets the, the gauntlet from tony eventually eventually and snaps his fingers and all you hear is the, the sound of the metal of, of the gauntlet basically there's no snap because there's no stones the stones were absorbed into tony's nanotechnology and all you see it cuts to a shot of tony and all the stones because thanos just got done saying I am inevitable. And then it cuts to Tony. And then he says a famous line. I am Iron Man. And he snaps his fingers and destroys all of Thanos and his army. And eliminates him. Turns him to dust just as he did the heroes in Infinity War. And then 
that's how they stopped the Mad Titan. I mean, the fact that they're, they're victorious in their plan. I mean, if you look at it, they they were fucked in the beginning. They they killed Thanos, but half of all life, their friends, the heroes, everyone, no one was there still. There's still there was still no one there. The depression still happened. The decimation affected those people emotionally, mentally, physically. And, you know, a lot of stuff happened and it, nothing happened. I mean, five years went by and they went on with their lives, but there was really no way for them to get their friends back. And they killed Thanos, yes, but they still didn't get what meant the most to them, were their friends and family and all that. So the world went into kind of a depression. And, uh, you know, that marks the, the talk about time travel and really the whole GOAT of this whole fucking topic, this whole fucking movie had to be that fucking rat. I'm gonna load my pipe. I'm not, I was gonna say I'll load my pipe up. I really was gonna load my pipe up because we're gonna get into some deep discussions about this movie. This movie was fucking amazing. Um, the ending was real sad too. I mean, Tony at the end of the day was my favorite. Um, I mean, he did what he needed to do. I mean, calling back to Avengers age of Ultron, our Avengers, you know, Cap said that he wasn't one to make the sacrifice play. And, you know, everything he said, you know, Tony went back and proved everybody wrong. Um, you know, eventually, you know, saved the world, saved everyone yet again. And, you know, we've seen Tony almost bite the dust in the first Avengers when he brought that nuclear bomb or the nuke through the wormhole. Wait, what? What was it? Yeah. So, brought it through. And destroyed Thanos' destroyed Thanos's bridge and army and all that, and you know almost died, almost bit the dust in the first Avengers film. Uh, that was kind of Tony's real introduction to where his PTSD really started happening. I mean, when you look at it, you know they go from just busting armed uh, arms dealers, as Tony said, to the End Game, aliens, Thanos, you know. The aliens, everything that's up there, it's not arms dealers, it's not people busting raids, it's not like the, you know, overdue library books and shit like that. They're legitimately, legitimate threats to Earth and to their own lives. So, they had to step it up. And he had a solution, and Tony said that his solution was a suit of armor around the world to protect people protect our society our world from a higher a higher bad a higher evil worse than robbers bank robbers arms dealers it doesn't matter but you're talking about some serious alien invasions just as thanos evaded earth just as thanos attacked avengers hq i mean just as everything else that happened to earth i mean potentially almost uh lost all of life and was going to be overruled by aliens when loki first invented uh, invaded thanos sent loki to attack New York, it happened. Everything that happened happened in there. And, you know, if it wasn't for the Avengers, they would have been successful. Obviously, Thanos wasn't leading the attack or anything like that. He sent Loki down there. But, you know, essentially, they defeated Loki. Um, they stopped him from being successful with that. You know, they got the, the, um, the scepter with the stone in there and they got all that you know they're all successful but you know in age of ultron tony talks about that being the end game and you know they would lose he said they would lose like he said to captain in end game and then 
That was when the whole cut to the whole scene in Endgame when Tony was saying that what we needed was a suit of armor around the world. And he said that he needed Captain and Captain wasn't there. And Captain said that if they lost, they would lose together. And when they all lost, they didn't lose together. They lost separately. They were together with a couple of people when they lost and their friends and some of the heroes. But they weren't all together as a team like they were in that final cut scene or the final big battle scene in Avengers Endgame when they're all together. And Cap says... Avengers assemble they weren't together like that so it was an emotional moment when I first watched it I was uh thinking I was I started crying you know it, it definitely was a tearjerker seeing Tony in that kind of condition um you know I know they hadn't seen each other in a very long time the last time they seen each other they fought and you know Tony was about to call Steve Rogers and in Infinity War on the flip phone notoriously that Steve gave him in um Captain America Civil War so from that, it goes, you know, it's it just emotional moment. You know, he said he was just going off on Steve and, you know, just basically saying he didn't want him around. And but not not really not saying that, but he said he had nothing for him. And he just was he was mad. He was just emotional, man. It was a huge moment. Um, then Tony collapsed and he was embedded. And it was, it was a sad moment, you know, seeing Tony in that kind of position. And, you know, at the end of the day, Iron Man's legacy is fully, you know, it, it, it's solidified because what he's done in the MCU, he was the start of all of it. And he was, you know, the front runner for all that shit. And I was excited. You know, Iron Man played a good part in that movie. I thought the time travel sequences were pretty awesome. You know, going back to the battles of New York, um, the way they portrayed, uh, you know, those scenes, seeing some scenes that, were in the movie that weren't in the movies that we've seen, like you know, the Battle of New York, like the back things when 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 Hulk's walking through and they're all they have Loki and they run into Shield and or uh, Hydra or whatever it is, and those extra parts of the scenes that we don't get to see, really see, like Loki disappearing. I mean, that wasn't even supposed to be a part of that. It was just something that happened. All these different timelines, you know, the opening of the quantum realm, the fact that there's multiple realities, all that shit was freaking awesome. I enjoyed it. Um, how they were able to go back and get all the stones. And this is the part that really, you know, was hard. Like I said earlier, it was hard to continue with the movie, knowing the fact that these hap this happened. They went on a mission, I'll go get the infinity stones. But for me, what I was thinking about was the soul stone. I knew that it demanded a sacrifice, and they were all going, you know, oh, see you then. Natasha said that she was, see you guys, you know, go get the stones, come back. But it wasn't like that. And when Clint came back originally after Natasha sacrificed himself, herself, excuse me, on Titan, uh, not on Titan, excuse me, on um, on Vormir, you know, he came back, and they're like, where's Nat? Hulk was like, where's Nat? And they didn't realize that that demanded a sacrifice. I don't know if the Avengers didn't know that or anything like that. Um, but, you know, Natasha bit the dust. She died. Um, then Tony sacrificed himself. And, you know, out of everyone, I never thought it would be Natasha to die. To die. More notably because, like, she has her own movie coming out and shit like that. And, um, you know, I guess it's his origin origin story, but they killed her off like that. They killed Tony. Um, well, Tony died saving the world, which was, you know, the best thing. You know, Tony had a daughter. He was married to Pepper. He had a quiet life, and he came back to this, you know, to help the Avengers succeed. And for Doctor Strange, when he's finally seen Doctor Strange, you've seen Tony uh, re, uh, re uh, what is it? 
reunion with Spider-Man. And that was one of the big moments too. And I was uh, really pulled, we really pulled on the heartstrings when, when, when Peter came and said, Mr. Stark, we won, we won, Mr. Stark. And you just, the whole emotion behind it. Cause if you circle back to infinity war, you know, he was like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And then Spider-Man disappears and essentially dies and roles reversed in Endgame. Tony's the one that's dying for real. And, you know, Peter is mourning him along with Pepper Potts and the rest of the team because of, you know, his sacrifice. It was a huge sacrifice for him. Not only did they stop Thanos in the past, but they used the stones to stop Thanos. So they beat him before they cut his head off. Thor cut his head off. But the old Thanos, the past Thanos, learned of the Avengers from the present time, their plans on trying to grab the stones from different realities and they're in different timelines. So there's different timelines. So you kill Thanos, they didn't, they, there's still timelines where he can essentially still be alive because it's different time timelines, different time loops. You see yourself in different timelines. They've seen themselves in multiple timelines and they need the pin particles to travel through the quantum realm and all the bridges and all that stuff. So, you know, it, it was interesting how they essentially killed him off. I thought maybe there'll be a rival of a new character or something like that. This is the way they killed Thanos off. I was like, well, what the hell is going to go on for the rest of the movie? You know, essentially, going back, I thought that the whole battle on Avengers HQ was the first battle where they, they went and they failed. And then they, they went away for a little bit. And then they decided to try to go back and use the stones. And then try to fight them again or something like that. I, I didn't know how it was going to go. That's why they're called theories and stuff. So that's the best part about seeing the movie. Which was real excellent though. I really enjoyed it. I really liked it. It delivered in more ways than one. It kind of secured everything that needed to be secured. Everybody came home. Obviously, we didn't get key characters back. We didn't get um certain people that we needed back or wanted back. You know, like Vision and um Natasha and you know Gamora essentially disappeared with Thanos' army because it was the 2014 Gamora. It wasn't the Gamora of the Guardians of the Galaxy that Thanos threw off the roof. Though she did save and help them through the battles, and she didn't complete wasn't completely hostile or anything like that. So it, it, it was good reunite having everyone reunite with each other. The ones that were left, you know, Black Panther, Shuri, Okoye, they're all together. Everyone was together. Everyone joined together in and find the final battle against Thanos and his entire army. You know, it was incent It was crazy because Cap, Thor, and Iron Man were the three fighting off against Thanos at first, and eventually it was Captain that was by himself before um, the the arrival of the rest of the heroes, Black Panther, Shuri, and Okoye being the first to come out. Okoye did survive the snap, but she was just with Black Panther coming out, and the whole thing was planned out. Doctor Strange came out. They said that they were in the soul world for five years. You know, it's five years. Strange says it's five years. Let's go. He's seen everything, all the outcomes, how everything happened, how everything was going to be set up, and the time was right. Tony needed to make a sacrifice. It's all foreshadowed in a weird way, but essentially, we get the point we every, i keep saying that word i'm getting annoyed at that but we got what we needed and the world was saved twice you know essentially like exactly i keep saying it so like i said they killed off danos that didn't really do nothing for them because the decimation still happened they go back in time they stop danos again because he tries to stop them from doing what they wanted to do they wanted to get the gauntlet stones and you know fix it but hulk have the Infinity Gauntlet. That's the thing. 
Hulk had the Infinity Gauntlet, and he snapped back the friends. Everyone that was snapped back. It's just the fact that Thanos from the past realized what was going on, and I don't know how, dude. It was, it was fucking crazy. Just the whole past, going to the past and shit like that. Just fucking insane. How did they do that? I mean, what what made him? You know, the whole thing with Nebula transmitting uh, footage from present day, actual 2019-2018 Nebula, and they're providing information to the past Thanos. Mind you, they were they were uh, um, in different realities where different things were happening. So Thanos was looking for it. Thanos was just there, and that Thanos learns of the plans of the the future Avengers and what they're doing in the future and what they're trying to prevent him from doing in the future as well. So he learns, he travels to their time using probably Pym Particles 2 or something like that, using the Quantum Realm or whatever he used to get there and he attacked Avengers HQ with the help of past Nebula because Nebula from the past um, was knowledgeable of what the Avengers were doing due to the fact that present day Nebula had all the intel and everything recorded in her head. So they used that footage to essentially plan so from the past. Thanos from the past came and attacked them in the future because they killed him present day and the past Thanos learned of their actions because they wanted to go back in time and they fucked with time and time came back. And you mess with time, like Tony said, it comes back and bites you in the ass if you're not correct. If you're not if you're not careful. That's exactly what happened. It was crazy, man. Just the overall way that he was handled. I mean he they put up a better fight against Thanos the second time. Well essentially this is their third time that they fought Thanos. Because Infinity War they fought him, they lost. They fought him, technically fought him. At his farm, not really. He didn't really put up much of a fight. They killed him there. Nothing else happened after that. They could have lived in that first uh, first timeline where they killed Thanos, cut his head off, and you know try to cope with everything and bring their heroes back. But they were mourning their heroes and their friends, and they had to do something about it. They sat back. They thought about what they could do and solutions potentially to bring their friends back because they didn't want to live in a world without their friends. They killed Thanos. I mean. That's cool. They killed Thanos, but Thanos wasn't really even trying to attack them. He wasn't even trying to do anything. He was peaceful on his own planet. And so I was like, I felt bad for him. Because they just went and attacked him. But they attacked a, a guy who had no motives or plan for anything. And like you said, the work was done. And there was nothing else for them. Nothing else for him to do. And so it was kind of a lose-lose situation for them, essentially. And um, like it just really... No point. There's really no point in doing it, but they did it, you know, somewhat to get vengeance on Thanos. They killed him, but what's next? There's nothing else for them to do. They're going to go back to fucking sit in support groups and nothing exciting happening. No, they went back. Try to think of a new plan. You know, they could have lost. They could have died. They could have um, lost the battle to the past Thanos, and that would have been all bad. But, you know, they didn't. They came they, they fought, you know, they're very lucky to be successful against Thanos a second time in the past, because if they were lost in the past, they would have lost and died, and I thought, if anything, that the Avengers or whoever, Tony, 
captain, whoever was going to die. Originally at the time, I thought that they were going to die. They were just going to die by the hands of Thanos. But no, Tony sacrifices himself. Cap ends up surviving, going to see Peggy Carter passing the mantle of Captain America on to Sam Wilson, a.k.a. Falcon. That's a shout-out back to the comics. And read the comics. They're fucking awesome, so... It, it overall was a great movie. I mean, I'm, I love movies that get your tears rolling down your cheeks. I mean, like I said, I've been watching these since 2008. So, can you hear the lighter lighting? Yeah, but I've been watching these since 2008. Emotionally invested. Since Iron Man was locked or stuck in a cave. He's stuck in a cave and he finds a way out. He builds stuff out of his out of scrap metal to building a bunch of marks mark 50 mark 100 just getting not mark 100 but he made so many different suits and you know his technology really evolved and throughout the movies that's kind of been his main motive is evolving the technology getting better at things you know just being being tony you know his technology evolved to the point where he didn't have to wear that big clunky freaking iron suit and have jarvis taking it off him push the chest piece all the nanotech forms around in the form of his iron man suit and that's everything he needed to do as easy as can be as light as can be and is as efficient as can be and it's the evolution of iron man and this entire mcu and the third phase of the marvel cinematic universe i mean it was a good send-off i, I didn't like the fact that iron man did die but no, he died for a good purpose. And obviously, he left Pepper behind. He left Morgan Stark behind. But he did it for a good purpose. And they know exactly what he did. And the sacrifices needed to make. And the one out of the 14,605 uh, outcomes, this needed to be the one that they were successful in. And they put the whole Thanos threat and his army to rest. And, you know. They're all home. All the Avengers, most all, all the Avengers, primarily are are home, and you know the future seems bright. Spider-Man: Far From Home comes out, I think, on July seventh or something like around July first week of July, I guess. But yeah, that will be the final. You know, that will be moments after Avengers: Endgame, so that will be the final film of Phase Three, and. After that, I don't know what else they're going to be doing. So, it's interesting. Some of the movies coming up, like The Internals, um, Black Panther 2, The Guardians of the Galaxy. I think they're making a Captain Marvels 2. I don't know if they're making Young Avengers, but The Dark Avengers or something like that. I've been seeing a lot of these rumors, all these accounts talking about it. I've been reading a lot of stuff in the news. And those are rumored to be those things. So, maybe that can be the second phase of our life. So, from 2018 to 2019. No, 2008 to 2019. Uh, now from 2019 and so on, probably for another 10 years. I don't know if it's going to be exactly the same because, you know, Iron Man, Iron Man, Iron Man was, that, that was, that was the mainstay. That was the hugest movie. That was the biggest thing. It's Captain America since the comics. That was the biggest things. Man, it's so awesome to see it, but it's interesting to see what they're going to do next. So I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for the rest of it. I enjoyed it all. And, uh, you know, it was overall, it was a great movie. So moving on from that, uh, like I said, real, real emotional movie, real good movie. I've seen it a lot. I, I watched it a good amount of times now. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm satisfied. 
So now I get to watch the the uh, the accounts the, that spoil shit. Not spoil shit, but like you know, talk about the aftermath. What's next? What's the next big things happen? Unanswered questions, Easter eggs, things you missed in the movies. So that's all I've been watching for that, and that's what we're gonna. That's what I'm gonna be doing next, though. So that closes the book on Avengers Endgame. Let's get on over to quickly before we get out of here. UFC two thirty seven, headlined by. Rose Namunas taking on Jessica Andrade for the UFC Women's Strawweight Belt. Andrade being the heavy favorite because of the fact that it is in Brazil and Rose did elect to come to Brazil to defend her title in a completely hostile crowd. So it's going to be interesting to see how Rose handles the pressure, handles... Uh, the power and the technique and the forward pressure that Josh has along with their home home crowd uh, and the home field advantage, which I don't think that will phase Rose. Rose is uh, a monster. Rose is doesn't seem to be phased by too many things. Um, she's a dark... I mean, she, she looks like possessed when she's in there. She looks like she's ready and willing to beat your ass throughout the entire time with perfect technique, with power, with precision. She has good scrambles. She has fantastic power in her punches. She has fantastic technique. Her, her IQ is high. Her submissions are great as well. She has a great ground game. She's nasty, man. Rose will fuck you up. Rose is strong. She's she's physically gifted, and she's a champ for the reason. She has two wins over the great Yoana Youngjacek. Yoana Youngjacek has only three losses in her career. R2, Valentina Shevchenko, and Rose Namajunas. So only two people Yoana's really lost to has been Valentina Shevchenko and, Ro- and Rose. So that shows how great Yoana is. Yoana being the former UFC strawweight champion, being the woman that Rose did beat for the title. Now we get Rose versus Andrade. And I was thinking about this on the way home earlier, that all the people that Yoana fought, that Rose is fighting now, you know, if they were to fight Yoana again, it wouldn't be nearly as exciting because we did see Yoana beat all these women already. So now that it's a different face defending their title, it makes it to where there's a lot more to see. A lot more fights. Big matchups. Interesting matchups for Rose. Interesting matchups for everyone else. We get to kind of see new faces and uh, new blood and and, and and all those other things. So it's gonna be it's gonna be real interesting, man. I'm I'm really excited to see how how um. Jessica Andrade takes her second title opportunity because, you know, she did have another title shot before against Ioana, which was a great fight as well. I mean, if you go back to Andrade's fight against Karolina Kovalkiewicz, man, I've got to be and put on record that the way that she knocked her out was one of the most vicious knockouts in a lighter women's weight class. There wasn't Chris Cyborg or Amanda Nunes knocking anyone else out. I mean, it was a lower weight class. It was a one-punch knockout. It was on a huge card, and it was a huge knockout, and that earned her the title shot. I mean, she knocked her out. She snapped her head back. One punch. When do you ever see one punches down at a lighter weight class the way that we did? That was fantastic. I mean, Jessica Andrade is a scary woman, scary individual, capable of knocking anyone, including the champion, out, coming forward. She just keeps coming forward. She doesn't stop. She's like a female version of Vanderlei Silva. Just ferocious aggressiveness coming forward all the time. 
and it's going to be interesting to see how Rose handles that. Rose is very calm, relaxed. You know, she has good footwork. She's in and out. She's smart. Um, she doesn't really get suckered into the, some of those crazy brawls. I mean, she's very intelligent. She has an intelligent coach at, on top of Pat Barry, which is who's a great, fantastic hitboxer as well. So she has a lot of great minds in there. So obviously they know that Andrade's biggest chances to win are to come forward and to use her aggressive pace and essentially win by knockout is the only way she can win unless she somehow gets Rose into the point where she can tap her out or submit her because they both have fantastic ground game. Hence, I don't think that's going to be the outcome of this fight. Essentially, it's going to be a, a hard-fought fight, a, de- a big back-and-forth, bloody, huge, hard battle or one-sided, complete, clear-cut victory for either party. It can be Rose knocking out Ioana or not, not Ioana knocking out Jessica or Jessica knocking out Rose or Rose is completely one-sided domination of of the champion or of the challenger excuse me or the challenger just completely putting it on Rose taking Rose down I mean but Jessica Andrade more, more so is she likes to strike so I feel that this is going to be a striking matchup unless the champ uses her grappling to nullify Andrade like like I said, she comes from a real good camp, a real hard camp, a good camp, a good camp with great fighters. You know, like Justin Gaethje, you got Trevor Whitman, obviously the head coach, Pat Barry is there. Um, she has, like I said, she has a lot of good heads. Rose has a lot of good minds, and I think that Rose knows exactly what she's up against. And the fact that she's in Brazil and all that, I don't think it necessarily fears her because she asked to go there. They could ask her to fight somewhere else because, you know, you just came off the bus incident. You hadn't fought really in a while. Rose kind of was traumatized by that. You know, she didn't really go out and talk too much to people, talk to the media too much. She kind of kept to herself. But yet she's going in the backyard of probably one of the most vicious countries in the world in the form of Brazil. Most aggressive fans, probably more aggressive than Connor fans. And yet she does that. And I think Rose is ready. I think Rose has what it takes. I think Rose obviously is a very smart fighter. She knows exactly what she's up against, like I was saying. It's going to be a fantastic fight. This is one of those interesting fights. It's going to be interesting because we've seen Rose fight Ioana two times. She beat Ioana both times. Um, And now Rose gets an opportunity to work on her legacy and defy the odds. And if she can defy the odds against Jessica Andrade, this will once again add to her already great legacy. Rose has had some fantastic wins inside the Octagon. She has put on some exciting performances, obviously coming off the Ultimate Fighter, losing the Ultimate Fighter at first to Carla Esparza, to coming back and becoming a UFC champion, being the one person out of all of the fighters that we saw in the women's division I didn't think Rose was going to be the one to beat Ioana when that first happened because Ioana was just fucking everybody up. She was beating everybody up. She beat down Jessica Panay. She beat up Carlos Sparza to win the world title. And she just beat everyone that she got came she came across. And she just nullified and obliterated every single one of their, her oppositions. So did I think she was going to do that to Rose? I didn't think so. I mean, Rose lost to Carla. Ioana beat the fuck out of Carla in their, in their fight for the title. 
So essentially it was hard for me to think that Rose could be the one to do that. But Rose making all the adjustments, you know, changing everything she, she is, everything she's been changing, you know, her, her discipline, everything she's been doing the past couple fights. And she just looks fantastic. She, her IQ's high. She's a smart fighter. And it's going to be a very interesting fight. So Rose versus Andrade fight pick. I don't know officially. I think that I can go with an underdog here. I'm going to pick Rose. I think Rose can get the job done in Brazil. I think that obviously the pressure, it's going to be interesting to see the pressure of Andrade. Andrade's pressure, Rose. Um, I think Rose is a smart fighter. I think Rose is under underappreciated. She is overlooked, underlooked, underrated. And I'm excited to see it, man. Hence, if Andrade is victorious, then I can understand that as well. But it's an interesting fight. I'm really, really interested to see this one, so I can't wait for that one. Um, and now, Anderson Silva versus Jared Cannonier, which is also an interesting fight because I feel like there's not a lot of people talking about Jared Cannonier. Hence, he's fighting Anderson the Spider Silva in Brazil, which is already a, a huge accomplishment for Cannonier. This is the fact that he's willing to take this fight, but people aren't talking about Cannonier. If you look at middleweight right now, you look Israel Adesanya as the interim champion. He's going to be fighting Robert Whitaker. I mean, Kelvin Gastelum's still up there. Um, obviously, Jacare, I mean, Jack Hermanson's making some noise now. Chris Weidman's in the mix. Uh, you know, a lot of fantastic fights. I mean, Israel Adesanya versus. Robert Whitaker is the one that tops it all off. It's kind of a phase shifting in the phase, a passion of the torches. Big, big booming at middleweight. It's big booming. There's a lot of stuff going on. I'm interested to see what's going to happen with that fight between Israel and Robert because if Israel is successful, that will make another shark tank because we'll still have Whitaker in the mix. We'll still have all the big name fighters in the mix still looking to make, making, uh, looking to make, uh, waves in this middleweight division, you know, Israel being young, Israel being undefeated in mixed martial arts, you know, making the rise that he did make in the middleweight division makes it to be interesting. It's real interesting to see what happens. So, like I said, people aren't talking about this middleweight division too much, but people aren't talking about a man named Jared Cannonier. If you look at Jared Cannonier's last fight against David Branch, he blitzed Branch and he stopped him by TKO in the very first round. He knocked him out and stopped him in the first round. And you look at David Branch. David Branch stopped Tiago Santos, who was fighting for the world title against John Jones. So if you look at the way Tiago Santos lost to David Branch, David Branch beat the fuck out of Tiago Santos. He, he knocked him out. David Branch knocked Tiago Santos out. And Derek Cannonier beat David Branch. So MMA math isn't a thing. I'm not trying to compare that. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying that, you know, these guys are so good. And this guy, you know, he fought at 205 before. He looked good. But, you know, he's putting it all together. That's the thing. And he is foreshadowed by a very good camp. Head head and lead. I mean, excuse me. Like head, like he's led by one of the best fighters in the world too, and former UFC lightweight champion, longtime defending champion at 155 pounds. He fought 170 pounds. Benson Henderson, the great Benson Henderson. Derek Cannonier trains at the lab, at, at the uh, lab with Benson Henderson and Eric Koch and all these other great fighters too. Um, but mainly Benson Henderson. Benson is the the forefront, the leader. You know, John Crouch is there. 
it's a great camp. And Jared Cannonier, you know, he's getting some good vibes, get some good good energy, some good knowledge in from some of the guys that, that fight there. And, you know, what he's been able to do is transformation physically if you look at the differences between what he's had, how he looked at 205 pounds. Now he's absolutely shredded at 185 pounds. He's a monster. He, he has power. He's a finisher. He's shredded. He looks good. He's patient. And I'm excited for this fight. Anderson Silva's no, no tough, uh, tough customer. He definitely has, um, you know, obviously Anderson still has it at the age that he's fighting at 40. I think he's at 44 now. Anderson still has him. And Cannoneer's a young man compared to Anderson. Anderson, obviously, is coming off a loss against uh, Israel Adesanya, which wasn't a bad loss, really. He didn't really feel like Anderson lost, lost, because he was competitive in that entire fight. But other than that, I mean, Anderson's Anderson. And any fight with Anderson, I'm just curious to see how he how he's going to take um, – this fight with Cannoneer. Because Cannoneer has some good grappling. And if he wanted to initiate some wrestling, I'm pretty sure he could. Hence, like, even if he lost by getting beaten down by Glover the way he did, I think Cannoneer can utilize grappling and he can use that to shut down the strike at Anderson if he's not looking to stand with Anderson, which I'm pretty sure he will because Jared has some power and I'm pretty sure he'd want to put the beating on Anderson, put put on a fantastic performance. And I, I think he will. I think he will. I'm going to pick Jared Cadenier for this one. And, you know, overall, I think it's a fantastic fight. I like seeing the underdogs. I like seeing the guys that people are not really talking too much about. I'm going to talk a lot about that tomorrow. Definitely am excited to see uh, how Cadenier goes up against a, a legendary fighter in the form of Anderson Silva, who's fought 205 pounds, who fought all the best guys in the world, nothing but the best, and had nothing but the best legacy at 185 pounds. So it'll be a real legendary fight if Cannoneer is able to be successful against Silva because Silva's done everything. He's he's fought everybody. He's done everything he needs to do. If Anderson Silva were to retire after the Israel fight, then that would have been the perfect you know retirement for him. He's, he's done all the stuff he needs to do in the sport, and there's nothing else that he needs to do. But, you know, it's a good fight. I'm, serious. I'm curious to see what Anderson still has in the books against Cannoneer, against a monster like Cannoneer. It's going to be interesting, and I can't wait. That's this Saturday, UFC 237, headlined by Rose Namunez versus Jessica Andrade, live on pay-per-view, motherfuckers. Thank you guys for joining us. That is it for us today, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said, thank you for joining us here on Sunday. Um, appreciate every one of you guys. You know where to find me at GTheKing underscore MMA on Instagram and Twitter. Talk about Avengers Endgame spoilers now. If anything else comes up, I'm going to speak my mind on the internet. If you don't like it, fuck you. <laughs> but anyways, like I said, I appreciate you guys for joining us. Um, we will put this, we will post this podcast up momentarily. I appreciate all the support. Appreciate everybody. Appreciate Anchor Radio for allowing us to host this podcast and to be a, a part of the family. Rest of Sunday, I'm probably going to sit back and watch YouTube, probably take a little nap or something later, just probably get high all day. That's probably what I'm going to do after this. Have some fun, relax, explore and think and read, do whatever I need to do. Um, we will be back next week for sure. 
great time, great podcast, great time. We were almost nearly like an hour in, but I can't wait for the next one, ladies and gentlemen, because we're getting bigger, badder, and better. We'll be back next week. G the King underscore MMA out, baby.